0: Hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time
1: for Two Blokes Talking Tech.
0: There is a lot going on in technology, as always. And thank you for listening. Episode 73, Trevor Long with you. And Stephen Fennick, each and every week, joins me from techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. Hello, Trevor. How are you going? Mate, I'm very well. Uh, a very busy week. And uh, you've just returned from, from the movies. The Batman movie. It's very, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but very the tech community love this
2: uh, movie. Uh, you know, what? Quick review from Stephen Fennick of Batman? Especially when a, a company puts it on for us to watch for free. The tech company loves it. It was uh, actually put on by Ubisoft tonight. So, yeah, no, though, it's uh, it's as good as The Dark Knight. I'd, I'd go that far.
0: Rightio. Well, it's uh, two blokes talking tech and two blokes talking movies, but we'll concentrate on two blokes talking tech. It's all thanks to the good people at Netgear, connecting with innovation, modems, routers, whatever it is to get you and your devices on the internet, netgear.com.au. Now, kick it off with a quick chat uh, about Microsoft. Um, they've, they've been a little bit. Of, they've had a good kind of few months here. They announced the, the Microsoft Surface tablet, and now they've announced uh, Office 2013. It was, it was a bit weird because the name of it actually wasn't very clear because the the logo just says Office. Uh, it's coming out for 2013, but it's version. Fifteen, So a bit confused, but pretty sure it'll be known as Office 2013. Uh, it's available now to download as a preview at office.com forward slash preview. Now, um, I've done that on one of my PCs, not available on the Mac to, as, a, as a preview. I'm sure it will be in the long run. Um, I've done that on one of my PCs. And look, I'll tell you a couple of things, Stephen. It's um, it's very quick to install. I don't know what it is, whether it's really just installing some very basics and then the rest of it occurs as it as it's being used and launched. Um, But it certainly looks very similar to Office 2010 when you're using it. But when you do things like open the file menu or, you know, the the actual menu structure, you're switching to that Metro-themed, you know, Windows 8 look, you know, very, very big big spaces, small font. It's a very interesting design, which, you know, fits with the Windows 8 theme. Uh, Essentially, they've launched it as one of these uh, beta previews so that people can muck around with it and we'll get some, you know, bug reports and all that kind of thing before it goes live. I would guess, in October when um, Windows is available.
2: I think, uh, well, I think Windows 8, obviously, this is going to be one of the drivers for Windows 8. It has to work with Windows 8 and obviously adopt its appearance. Yep. Microsoft Office is probably the most successful part of the Microsoft business apart from Windows operating system itself. So, it's crucial that this, uh, this is a success. Yeah. And- judging on what they've done in the past, what well, we expect it to be. But I think what we need to look at too is that now that uh, Windows 8 is going to be very much a, a tablet uh, operating system as well, uh, we're expecting that Office 2013 will be a touch-friendly uh, software as well for people mm. to use on those tablets like the Surface and like all these other Windows tablets that are out there. And there's even speculation it's going to be smartphone-friendly too with Windows 8 uh, phone smartphone operating system as well. So you can truly access your content, your, your documents uh, on the go. I think that's uh, Microsoft's best chance of of retaining their market share and maybe growing it in the smartphone and tablet space down the track.
0: It really is. And the, the one big thing it does is that uh, there's two, two things I'll mention about it. One of them is very simple, but embedding YouTube videos in emails. You know, it's a big deal because you people send YouTube videos around a lot. And so your email is, is really a web page that you're creating. And so you can just embed a YouTube video in there just by putting the link in. Now that's pretty cool. But then the other thing is the SkyDrive, which is which is Microsoft Cloud, which really has a following only in the real nerdy Microsoft fanboy. Uh, area, um, there's not a lot of talk about SkyDrive in the general public. iCloud gets more discussion than SkyDrive does, but, um, it, it will save by default to the SkyDrive so that you can actually, you know, that's, that's that whole collaborative thing. That's that whole multi device thing. And that's the big thing that's going to set this thing apart to really make your files and everything available across the internet
2: and across your devices. It, it's very interesting times the new look is going to maybe get to be a bit hard to get used to i think it's going it's quite a radical change windows 8 is going to be a radical change for yeah. a lot of users so the the, the start button is at the bottom anymore it's a, it's quite a reinvention do you think that's going to maybe trouble some people, like change is very difficult for some users.
0: Well, let, let me tell you this. I, I got an email for, for Your Tech Life. Obviously, we, you and I get a lot of emails uh, for for our respective you know radio and, and podcast gigs, whatever it is, but a very interesting email, and, and you, you raise a good point, mate, about Windows 8 uh, from, a, from a guy uh, called Andrew who's a uh, system administrator, and he said, you know, with Windows 8 coming, it's infuriating because it's a great OS for tablets and phones, but it's totally hopeless from a desktop business, workstation, point of view. Um, so, you know, it's, it is an issue because the, the support level required around it is something different, and it's very different to you. So it'll be interesting. To, the take-up of Windows 8 will be very interesting because it is so, so different. But anyway, um, if you love getting ahead of the game and seeing things before they're out, uh, check out office.com forward slash preview. You just log in with a Microsoft uh, sign-in, and you can download the latest version of Office, which isn't out yet, and you can install it on up to five devices, muck around with it, see whether you like it, and um, in a few months it'll be available to download and to buy from Microsoft Office 2013. A preview available now. Two
1: Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen
2: uh, we do a bit of traveling in our time, Trevor, or mm. me maybe a little bit more than you, mm. but uh, the one thing we love is our in-flight entertainment, and Qantas have actually announced this week that their uh, their Q streaming service, which was trialed on uh, some, uh, some aircraft earlier this year, uh, is going to be adopted to the entire 767 fleet. Uh, in the fourth quarter of uh, of 2012 when mm. what you streaming is it's a wireless in-flight entertainment service that's accessible using an iPad so rather than there being a a device a screen built into the into the seat in front of you uh, the, you can now use your iPad to wirelessly stream on-demand content to for every passenger to any seat mm. uh just gives them freedom to use this device rather than having to be limited to uh, the one in the seat in front of them. So that, I think it gives people a bit more freedom to maybe if they maybe want to move around and not miss the movie or uh, you know, just, just makes it a little bit more convenient. You bring your own iPad on there. I'm not, I'm not sure whether you can actually hire your own iPads when you're on there, but I'm pretty sure you've got your own. You can use it. I think it's just a matter of installing an app. Uh, so that's an exciting little partnership they've got there. With what, what's going to happen? Panasonic is going to install their uh, avionic solution that, that will provide the content, hmm. and then it's going to be linked up. It's going to be iPad friendly and accessible on iPads for business and economy passengers, and it's going to be a free service.
0: I, I think you'll find this is not a bring your own iPad solution. I had this on a seven six seven to Melbourne that they've, they've been testing on on a, on a few planes, and it's one of those very weird things because you, <laughs> I remember sitting down and going. Oh, someone left their iPad here, and then looking around and going, "Nope, someone left an iPad in every seat." And and I had to play with it. Look, it was disappointing. It was early days for it. I I hope that was the reason, but the streaming quality wasn't great. Um, it, the, the interface was good, but not great. So hopefully they've made some improvements and it'll step up a gear. Um, and hopefully people aren't walking around the cabin with them. You know, certainly don't take them to the Brasco. with your fair income. You just want to st- stay in your seat and maybe you go and visit other
2: people. But you know. You got to get up, and you're going to miss your movie. You have to pre- press pause. But anyway, no, but that's that's to do the beautiful on the thing. Toilet on the plane, I suppose. But yeah. uh, I think uh, there was a, the, the, what they, the internet on an airplane, sort of having this streaming wireless on an airplane, is still a novelty. Hmm. I think. Uh, i I went over to the US uh, last in June for the uh, Worldwide Developer Conference and on the A380. They've got a wireless internet service, hmm. and but it's so slow. You, you, I think you pay for the data you use, and it's not cheap. I think it was fifty or eighty bucks for. 25 meg of data, and uh, but it was really incredibly slow. So I, I don't know how uh, they, they need to do some improvement with with the streaming service there because if you want to watch a movie, a, a decent quality movie at that, you want it to stream a little bit quicker than I experienced on the A380. But according to Qantas, these trials have been a success and we're going to see a Q4 uh, on the 767s. And then, uh, but also on Qantas too, the iPads are going to be used also by their pilots. Hmm. Uh, my brother-in-law is actually a Oh, and he's going to receive one of these at an iPad in September. So, what's going to happen? Rather than the pilots, you know, all the paperwork, they've got to lodge their flight yeah, plans, yeah, yeah. their training manuals, which are all printed heavy material. Mm. It's going to be all on the iPad. So, that's going to save Qantas about $1.5 million annually just on reduced printing and distribution costs. So, yeah. they're embracing iPad all the way, Qantas, for entertainment and also for the pilots
0: iPads everywhere. It's Qantas Ahoy. So uh, yeah, interesting times. And uh, if you've tried the Qantas streaming service, let us know. Get in touch. You're listening to two blokes talking tech. Now you and I went along to the launch of Telstra's T Hub Two early this week, which you know is an interesting device for me because I am I'm a user of the T Hub One. And there's a few really interesting things. And to remind people, this is the the, the the kind of new home phone solution that Telstra brought out about 18 months ago, which is the little kind of mini tablet-looking thing uh, and, a, and a handset phone. Look, oh, I had the, T, the T-Hub One from, from day one or or, or earlier, and it, it's a, it was a good device. It w- wasn't a great tablet, but, you know, it was fun. Uh, and the best thing about it, in my opinion, was visual voicemail, you know, to be able to just walk up and go, I've, I've had five missed calls. Oh, no, one of them's from mum. I'm just going to listen to that voicemail and no other one, and you can actually pick and choose those things. That was fine. There was all the NRL, AFL content was there to, to muck around with, but it was, it was never a fantastic device. But what they've done is they've launched the T-Hub 2, which i got to say is... Probably you know one thousand percent better than the T hub one on many levels, the number one reason is the tablet is actually a seven inch Android tablet, and uh, I've been using it now for a few days because again i'm i'm a, I'm a Telstra and bigpond customer so I, I I qualify in that sense because you do have to have a Telstra home phone and a big pond internet connection and um look it's a great device. the home phone is an improvement the tablet is a real improvement because you can do so much more because it's Android. You can actually use the Google Play Store and you can download apps so you can put Angry Birds on it. The kids are happy. Um, and you can also integrate it now with your Gmail and all those other email accounts. It doesn't have to just be your Telstra account. So there's some real advantage of this thing. It's 360 bucks, um, or 15 bucks a month over two years, which is just that that 360 paid off, mate. They've got
2: 300,000 of these things of the T-Hub ones in the market. T-Hub. It was a huge success, and you know what surprised me though at the launch event that we were at together there, they they said like it, 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 people people think that the home phone the home the landline's dead, mm. but they were saying that they, they still there's still more than thirty million landline calls placed in Australia yeah, per month, so every- that's that's far from dead in no. my opinion. So no wonder they're backing this product, the T Hub Two, and I think the tablet which we we had a play with it, it's I, I quite liked it in in terms of if you're gonna rather going out and buying a tablet, if you're a Telstra customer, you got an account at a big pond to Account uh, and you're a, and you're a Telstra phone customer. This is as good as some of the tablets that are out there on the market. It's part of your home phone service. Hmm. So uh, and and you can install all your favorite apps and access all your content. Uh, and, uh, and 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 the, the speaker dock I think was interesting too because all the videos they played it seemed to, all the speaker dock was always located on the kitchen bench hmm. and it was everyone was looking at recipes all the time. So this is going to be probably a cooking assistant as much as it is a communication device by yeah. the sounds of it. The so, T Hub uh, was always great. This one.
0: It was a great complimentary device in the kitchen just for having recipes or just, you know, having a video playing while you're doing the dishes. Um, and the thing about this is, and don't, please, people, don't be narked by the tech writers that'll tell you that it's Android 2.3 and it's no good and it needs to be upgraded. It's fine. You know, the average Joe out there will, will grab this thing and they'll put their email on it and they won't notice what version of Android it is. I think there will be some compatibility issues with the odd app that won't scale back that far, but you know I think that's real high-end users. The average user is going to use this thing for getting on the internet, Facebook, maybe Twitter, email, calendars, contacts, visual voicemail, and generally a really cool and, and great and easy-to-use home phone. So great device. Uh, you can read Stephen's done a, a little preview of it all there at techguide.com. Dot au, photos and everything like that because you do have to see it, see it to understand it. And if you are a Telstra and Big Pond customer Smart or a, for the home. Exactly, the smartphone for the home. And if, if you're a T Hub 1 user, I'd be picking up the phone and asking for the T Hub 2 as quickly as you can, because there are some deals around. So the T Hub 2 from Telstra, check it out at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're
1: listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick
2: digital content, uh, Australians have been for a long time the poor cousins of, uh, of the U.S. We're often paying uh, a little bit more for uh, content. Even though, even though that it's still the same download from the same yeah. server, so there's no real transportation costs or anything involved. And this has come to the attention of consumer watchdog choice, who've actually done some research and found that prices that Australians are paying for things like music downloads, games, software, hardware, uh, is more, is up to 50% more expensive than the US. Now mm. they've included this research in a submission to the parliamentary inquiry that's going on on IT pricing, uh, and and they're they're saying that, uh, that the industry is saying the well their excuses of oh well you know we've got to have way pay wages and and you know, rent stores and all these sort of things have kind of been shouted down by choice because as I mentioned at the top there these are digital downloads that can be downloaded from anywhere in the world whether it's Australia or not uh, for the same price as they can in the US. Look, I
0: got two problems with this. I'll be on, I'll be completely honest. I don't disagree that we could pay less, but we all need to understand we live in a big country with a bugger all number of people here, and the costs of just generally. Marketing, you know, it does cost money to advertise on Australian television, and it does cost money to put billboards up that have a lower impact rate than than on, in a big country like America. So when you run an ad here, you, your exposure rate is lower, the, the 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 return rate is lower. So there are those issues. Now that's not an excuse; it's just another potential reason. The biggest problem with this is this parliamentary inquiry. Has no has no ability to change anything. It's just a bunch of people talking about how we're badly off. Who in the end can simply say, "Oh, Australians are badly off," and they can't actually change anything because if they could, we'd be in
2: communist China and they'd be setting the prices. Well, I think they're bringing it to people's attention. I think, and what I like about Choices Research. It's not just all, all them sort of complaining about how we're paying too much. They've actually made some recommendations about how it can be overcome and combat this price discrimination, as they call it. Mm. Uh, and one of them is retaining the, the LVT, the low value threshold. You know, that's where goods are exempt for GST yep. on imported products under $1,000. Our good friend Jerry Harvey made everyone aware of that a couple of years ago. But another thing, too, that they pointed out is that they, 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 there is things like region coding and IP detection. Like if a country, if a server in the US detects yeah, our IP, which det- which identifies your computer as being in Australia, it then charges you a different price in some cases. So we're paying a little bit more. Mm. Uh, so these things are what, what they're trying to uh, rec- investigate and, and, and highlight to the government uh, as well as allowing... Uh, parallel imports of allowing Australians to purchase that product overseas without having to be slugged with extra taxes and duty and things like that just to sort of level the playing field a little bit so I applaud choice for pointing this out because as as, as we know they're they they're on the side of the consumer uh, you know they're our listeners out there and we, we want to be able to sort of have have yeah, you know, we, we don't expect to have exact same pricing as the US, but geez, but fit more up to fifty percent more. I think that's a little bit rich. Yeah, it is. There's no doubt that this.
0: You, you, you're spot on, and and I think I think the point is that the awareness, the point is the conversation, and and the pressure that it needs to apply to companies. Whether it has an impact on, you know, Apple iTunes pricing and those kind of things, not quite sure. But certainly the bigger things, the bigger end products. Look, it's very interesting. It's good to be aware of it. I'm just not sure they can do much about it. But let's just wait and see. Um, And the good thing about these parliamentary inquiries is you can read those submissions. So go to techguide.com.au and have a look at the story that Stephen's written on the uh, on the digital pricing, and you'll see a link there to at least the choice submission, and you'll probably find all the other ones there as well. You're listening to two blokes talking tech. And as always, we thank the good people at netgear.com.au, Netgear, for the support of the two blokes talking tech. Uh, Netgear providing you with everything to do with connectivity in your home, and it's a uh, poignant, you know, because I've just had a, a new internet connection put in, and it's a Netgear modem that comes with it, and I've then connected simply, connected my Netgear router to that, which provides me with a dual... Uh, dual band wireless connectivity throughout the house so my video and, and audio streaming services can be on one network while the kids and my wife's iPads and all those kind of things can be on another network not interrupting each other Those are the kind of technology that Netgear do if you've got a black spot in your house where you just can't get Wi-Fi. You can put a range extender in between, which will push the Wi-Fi network further out through the house and fill those gaps. It's another great solution from Netgear. For all those kind of solutions and more, check out netgear.com.au. Connecting with innovation, netgear.com.au.
1: Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.
0: Well, it's it's kind of ticking away, tick tick tick, the uh, the countdown to the to the new iPhone, which is obviously coming in the next two months, uh, and the the rumours are absolutely hotting up. And it's very interesting if you compare today the number of photos, the number of rumours that will turn out to be correct, um, to you know, three years ago, let alone two years ago. It's quite stunning how how much is coming out of, frankly coming out of Asia a lot of the Asian countries that have manufacturing uh, processes or you know parts processes in this whole game uh, unfortunately there's leaks there and that's hitting the hitting the rumor mills and we're starting to see photos we can pretty much confirm now this thing's going to look looks very similar to the current iPhone but it'll be thinner um, it'll have a slightly bigger screen and it'll certainly have that smaller dock it's kind
2: of um, official now really isn't it yeah well when, when one of the when uh, the, the the Wall Street Journal starts writing stories about mm. it citing sto- sources that are familiar with the matter yeah. you know that they're onto uh, onto something there that's uh, that's pretty important and you and likely to be true now what what Wall Street Journal identified a couple of days ago was this new touchscreen technology that Apple's using that they'll incorporate in the new device now the the current iPhone and the previous iPhones had a separate layer to enable the touchscreen on the LCD display uh the Wall Street Journal story uh, says that this touchscreen layer will disappear and be incorporated in the LCD layer so mm. take away that that absence of that extra layer is saves valuable millimeters maybe one or one and a half not even that but it's going to contribute to the o- overall reducing the thickness of the product so it, as we know it's very competitive it's in the in tech the tech world a millimeter is like a yard in other in other industries, and at 93 millimeters, the current iPhone 4S is, is is a lot thicker than the Galaxy S3, for example, which is only 86 millimeters. And look, the
0: thing that... I'll tell you, there's a few things, thankfully, that, that can never really be ascertained before the announcement, and they are things like, you know, in, internal processors and, and, and weight. And I think the one thing that... I'm not saying the current iPhone's heavy, but there's certainly been an improvement in other devices, Android devices, you know, whether it's Sony or Samsung, that... That's added some some really real clout to the ability to knock just a few grams off. So I think they'll they'll want to come out once again as usual, essentially, and say it's thinner it's faster and it's lighter and for them to do that they do need to knock a bit of not knock a bit of the width off and those kind of things but um you know i I think i actually really like what we're seeing i quite like the phone i I think it's a really nice evolution um and there's a lot of whinging and moaning going on about the dock connector you know it's interesting because i mean what do they expect this thing's been around for a long time they've got to they've got to take the next step and, and create the next next connection don't they
2: that people are speculating is uh, apart from the weight that is a big concern to you is the screen size.
1: Hmm.
2: The size of the screen, uh, we're here, I'm hearing 4 inches, 4.2. Uh, uh, we don't know. I, th- I think it's a no-brainer that I think the iPhone needs a bigger screen because compared to the, the models of smartphone out on the market, the Galaxy S3 and other devices, the all, all the other Android devices out there, the Nexus, they've all got larger screens in the 4 inch and above size. So I think that if they can produce a device. Now, do you remember how the, the Galaxy S3 has got a 4.7-inch screen, I think up from 4.2, whatever it is mm. for the Galaxy S2, but yet they didn't make the device too much bigger. No. Than the S2 to the S3 wasn't a lot larger, yet it had a half-inch bigger screen. Mm. Uh, if they can manage that, keep. I think from the cases that mentioned, you mentioned, the Chinese pictures coming out of China cases, it indicates that it's going to be a taller device. So mm. there'll be probably it'll – be, it'll be like a – uh, scaled up sort of like a wide screen on its side hmm. and uh, w- with an extra row of apps. So the, rather than having just the four rows of apps with your with your regular apps at the bottom, there'll be five complete rows of apps of so them with your phone, mail, Safari, and music icons there at the bottom. So I think that's a big issue that people are looking at.
0: Yeah, I'm confused by that because I don't know how that affects resolution of, of existing applications that have been developed. So I find that to be a little bit weird because I, if if you change the... Uh, ratio, the aspect ratio, not just the resolution. You can you can make a phone bigger and not concern any apps, but once you add actual ratio, it's it's very it's very different. So, and the one thing, mate, that's very interesting, and you wrote a story about this is there's actually odds now being offered on the date that this might
2: happen. Oh, this is a publicity stuff but I love it. I wrote about it anyway. I think sports bet, who very competitive, competitive the sports betting market oh, yeah. at the moment, and uh, I don't think iPhone can actually be classed as sports betting, but. They, they threw the hook out and I bit, I, they've, sportsbet.com.au formed a market to uh, speculating on what month the iPhone 5 will be released. Hmm. Now, the favorite at the moment is the month of August, which no is kidding. only a couple of weeks away, no uh, kidding. and that's priced at $2.75. Next favorite is October at $2.80. Uh, okay. They've even speculated that uh, Australia will get the iPhone 5 before the rest of the world. That That, that is at $1. ten. the fact that Australia will get it. Uh, there's even odds there for the first operator to take online pre-orders. The iPhone 5 first day international sales pricing three dollars twenty-five for one point four to one point six million first day sales. So you don't have to bet worry about the two flies racing up the wall to have a bet on. You can even bet on the iPhone's release and its success on day one. I'm taking that price
0: on October. There's, that's if this is the date that it's available in stores. I'll take that money on October any day. That's that's it's easy money. I'd say. That's pretty good money, too. Yeah, exactly. All right, mate. Uh, that's the iPhone. You can read the, the iPhone rumor stories as well as the odd story at
2: techguide.com.au. With two Blokes
1: Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennec.
2: Down to Melbourne earlier this week to attend an event by Fuji Xerox Printers. Uh, they released their range of new mono laser printers for. Small office, home office, and small to medium businesses. And and the emphasis on these products was speed and and economical use. I think uh, for for any small business and and, and even a home office, I've got kids that print out stuff all the time. The cost per page can be quite high. Now, laser printing offers – a, a much cheaper rate per page. I think it worked out the size. The size of uh, the toner cartridges allows for thousands of pages to be printed mm. at an average cost of about two cents per page. <laughs> when you compare that to up to fifty cents per page with an, an inkjet printer, and you know we, we all know very well how how expensive uh, inkjet cartridges can oh, be. So this Fuji lineup, they print up to thirty-five pages a minute. If you and and even though they're mono, that's that's seventy-five percent of the printer market is actually. In, in mono which I thought was a fascinating stat mm. and these new Xerox Fuji Xerox printers can uh, can can print very high quality I was surprised by the quality 1200 by 1200 dpi very fast as I mentioned I think it's six seconds you can see a print out of hit print you'll have the page out of the machine in six seconds and 35 pages per minute if you need to do a lot of printing
0: I'm a dot matrix man myself <laughs> Yeah, how are the 1980s? Are they good? <laughs> Fuji Xerox, you can read more about their uh their laser range uh at techguide.com.au. Now before we get to the very very important uh tech moments or minutes, we haven't we should really do an intro for those as well. By the way, your your very special reviews at the end of the uh, two bikes talking deck. I wanted to uh, I wanted to give praise to Foxtel. I have got to be honest, I reckon they do some of the best apps in media. Um, I reckon they should be awarded for the apps they make. And their Olympic app is mind-blowing. You can download it now on the iPad and Android tablets. Uh, It's a free app. And if you are a Foxtel subscriber, um, you can then log into the app. And you can actually, during the Olympics, if you've got the sports package at home, you can actually watch on your iPad the eight Olympic channels live. But you know what, apart from anything else, they've got one of those bloody great um, TV guides in there, so you can actually look at the eight channels and you can see what event is on, when. It shows you where the Aussies are really easily. It shows you where the medals are really easily. It's a bloody great app, mate.
2: Yeah, I agree. Now I'll be—I've already downloaded this to my iPad, and I am a Foxtel sports subscriber. I think we should point out though that if you you need to have a home package with a set-top box, you can't—you can't access this service if you're running Foxtel on the Xbox, True. on the T box, or on your Samsung Internet uh, Smart TV. You do need to have the full Foxtel package to be able to access this service, but. Uh, just a shame about the time difference. I think if you're if you're a night shift worker, you're going to see a lot of live sport. If you're an early riser, you're going to see some finals, but uh, it's good to have access to all eight channels which is impressive and I like the fact you can access it over 3G as well yep. uh, or on Wi-Fi depending on where you are. So you're not going to miss a minute of the Olympic action.
0: Yep, the quality on the streaming simply uh, goes up or down depending on the quality of your connection. So a great little app if you're a Foxtel uh, home subscriber with a box and you've got your login for the website and everything which is easy to get, down Download the Foxtel Olympic app on your iPad or Android tablet now because the Olympics are just days away. Two
1: blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor
0: Long and Stephen Now, mate, you've picked a couple of very nice little products here, uh, audio and video for us to uh, hear about in your uh, minute reviews. Tell us about the Pure Contour that's been
2: updated. Yeah this is the latest product from Pure. Now we well know Pure very well as a, a they make great digital radios. Uh, they also make some good audio products, but this is the first Pure product to include AirPlay, the wireless streaming system for uh, using that connect with Apple products wirelessly. The, the Contour 200i Air, priced at 399.99, uh has AirPlay built in so you can wirelessly stream from your iPad, your iPhone or I, or iPad or iPod. Uh, so you can uh, sit comfortably, send your music wirelessly, but there's also a dock so you can position the iPad. It's big enough to sit the iPad and all the other iOS devices and then use the credit card size remote control to control your music. So it's got 36 watts RMS speakers built in. Really, for, for, for a small, relatively small product, produces a nice room-filling sound, can power your next party, as I said in my review, uh, and even at high volumes, I tested this, I ranked it, cranked it right up uh, there was hardly any distortion, so that 's a sign of a good speaker. So the Contour 200i air 39999 and it 's available now. Read, read about it and more at techguide.com.au.
0: Now if you love your, your video quality, Blu-ray's the way to go. Tell us about the Sony Blu-ray player BDP 790.
2: This is a Blu-ray player from Sony with the future in mind, Trevor. Now, we were at CES earlier this year and we all heard about 4K displays, which I called ultra-definition displays. We saw a projector. Sony have a 4K projector available now. Uh, There's also going to be flat screens from LG and Samsung with 4K resolution, which is four times Mm. the full high-definition resolution. Now, this BDP, the S790, has 4K upscaling. So if you've got a Blu-ray disc, it can up scale it to 4K resolution if you do in the few, near future happen to buy one of these 4K displays. But it's also a connected device, so it will uh, get you a lot of the smart TV features like all the widgets like catch-up TV, iView, BBC On Demand, Quick Flix, Crackle, all those services, and as well as access to all the Sony entertainment content as well, your music, your videos, and games. Uh, top of the line, Blu-ray player, SDP. BDP, sorry, S790, priced at $429. Full review at techguide.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening
1: to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen
0: Fennec. And we've breezed through another week, mate. Episode 73, thanks to the good people at Netgear. Uh, You can read about nearly every one of those stories at techguide.com.au, all the latest there each and every day from Stephen Fenwick, and uh, my podcast is Your Tech Life, yourtechlife.com, the place to go, mate. Thanks for the chat, and we'll talk again next week. No worries. Thanks, Trevor.